Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.57 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 14th of December, 2021. This is episode 517 of Bitcoin. And if you want to support the show, (laughs) if you want to support me and the show, you can always uh, stream this podcast through any one of the Podcasting 2.0 enabled applications and uh, load up the wallet that is inside those applications and you can stream me Satoshis. It is absolutely my favorite way to interact with the people who are listening to this because I can actually see the sats come through on my lightning node, which is about, you know, a foot and a half, two feet away from me. So there's no middlemen. Nobody intercepts that. Uh, Nobody takes a cut of it. Uh, It just, it lands on my lightning node and I can see the the Satoshi streaming in and it's a it's a really really fun way to figure out you know what's going on and I'm it's it is my desired way of uh, support for this show honestly because I just I don't want to do ads I mean <clears throat> I if I do do ads I want to be I want to be in a position where I can do a couple of ads for products that I really think are cool like you know Shamari the card game for kids that teaches about, you know, Bitcoin mining and how the blocks are, it, 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 it does, it, it does. It's, it's a really great game for kids to be able to learn how this stuff kind of works at a rudimentary level. You know, you're not going to teach them everything about Bitcoin mining clearly, but it has all of the essential elements that you want to impart to kids because guys, you know, what are we going to do? Who's going to take care of Bitcoin when we're gone? I mean, we don't live forever. And I doubt seriously that life extension technologies are going to be afforded to us, even, even the richest of Bitcoiners. I, I'm, I'm serious, man. <clears throat> and I'm not even sure if that technology works. You hear a lot about it, but in the event that it doesn't work, which is, is what I suspect, we're going to have to pass this on to our children. How are we going to get them to be knowledgeable about how Bitcoin works, how to take care of it, what consensus means? Because if we don't, if we can't pass on the passion, then everything fails anyway. We've got, got one generation to do this in. This is the generation, everybody alive that, that came to know Bitcoin as they were alive today. It's incumbent upon you to pass the knowledge, but more, moreover, you've got to pass the passion on to your kids so that they will know why this is important, not why it's important to you, why it's important to them, and why it's important to the world, to humanity, to the future. If we can't pass it on through products like Shamari, you know, and the guys over there at the Shamari, you know, place writing books and making card games for kids, then, you know, we've got to take, we've got to take other avenues to be able to pass that, that passion, that fire on. And we have to, if the kids don't get, if the kids don't catch on fire with Bitcoin, all is lost. So keep that in mind moving forward. We have Tetherfud. <clears throat> Are you surprised? <laughs> Are you? Because if you are, you haven't been around long enough. Tether has been fudded forever. Do I like Tether? I've said it many times on this show. I don't really care because I don't need it because I don't trade. That doesn't mean that one of these days I might, I might have a use for it, but it certainly won't be trading. But I don't know what the future holds for stable coins. Although I don't think stable coins are going to go away even with the hearing that's going to go down today on, I guess it's the Senate Banking Committee is going to have another round and 
We're being warned, by the way, <clears throat> to uh, expect bearish sentiment on stable coins. So on with the FUD, right? I mean, you know, it just so happens that Tether is accused of unlawful and deceptive practices in a new class action lawsuit. And this is Tim Hockey coming from decrypt.co. And let's see if this coincides exactly, like literally to the day of the Senate banking hearing on stablecoins. <clears throat> Leading stablecoin issuer Tether has been hit with a class action lawsuit alleging the company's practices are immoral, unethical, oppressive, and unscrupulous. Oh my Lord. According to the new complaint, which was filed, you guessed it, in the District Court of South New York. Plaintiffs Matthew Anderson and Sean Delica dispute Tether's claim that its cryptocurrency is backed one-to-one -one with the dollar reserves. This claim has been challenged in court twice this year already, and the plaintiff's case references the firm's checkered legal history. Tether was quick to respond to the claims on Monday, writing, Shameless money grabs for which this lawsuit is a textbook example will never be dignified by way of paying one Satoshi in a settlement. <clears throat> one Satoshi is the smallest unit of account of Bitcoin and is equal to, oh, I don't know. We're not even going to get into reading all those zeros. You get it. There's 100 million Satoshis in a Bitcoin. Do the math. <clears throat> the firm said it would also aggressively litigate and dispense with the filing and then pursue recompense from Anderson and Dolika. In February, New York Attorney General Letitia James ordered Tether and crypto exchange Bitfinex, a sister company with common shareholders and management, to cease trading in New York and pay $18.5 million after state investigations concluded that Tether didn't have sufficient reserves to back the number of Tether USDT tokens in circulation. In October of this year, <clears throat> the two companies were embroiled in more bad press when independent U.S. derivatives regulator, the CFTC, fined Tether $41 million. Bitfinex was fined $1.5 million. The CFTC alleged that Tether only held sufficient fiat reserves in its accounts to back the number of Tether tokens in circulation for little more than a quarter of the time over a 26-month period between 2016 and 2018. Four days after the CFTC fine, Alex Mashinsky, the CEO of crypto lending platform Celsius, told Financial Times that Tether occasionally issues its dollar-peg cryptocurrency as a loan in exchange for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and some shitcoin. This contravenes the company's own terms and the fundamental principles of stablecoins. Mashinsky elaborated that the, the stablecoins issued are destroyed when repaid so as not to increase the circulating supply. For Tether's part, the company has tried to be more transparent this year. In August, it released an assurance report conducted by Auditor Moore Kamen. The report revealed that almost half of Tether's reserves are in the form of commercial paper and certificates of deposits. Jesus, CDs, really? Only 10% comes from cash and bank deposits. Okay, so it's the same story over and over and over again. So this lawsuit apparently was filed on uh, Monday, so yesterday. So it's it's pretty, I don't know, man. It seems a little uh a little too conspicuous because they're doing the Senate Banking uh Committee or Senate Banking and Finance Committee, I think, on stable coins today. And I'm sure I am absolutely certain that this lawsuit is going to be used as fodder in that battle, probably from Brad Sherman, because I'm pretty sure he's on that committee. In either event, <clears throat> more Tether FUD. And, you know, we've got, we've got depressed prices. We've got, all, we've got Omicron variant going on. We've got all kinds of stupid crap that we're having to deal with as we enter into the Christmas holidays. And it's just kind of sad to see, you know? It, it really is that it's just... Battling the finance, the legacy financial system is going to be, it's, that battle is going to still be raging by the time I die. And I'm hoping that I have decades left, uh, but I really don't want to have to do this for decades. I'm just, I'm kind of done, aren't you? Let's move on <clears throat> to more FUD. Because Scott Cipollina, our favorite author from Decrypt, says that the Bank of England again 
warns that crypto could pose a threat to the legacy financial system. Well, before I read this, let me tell you this. The legacy financial system has been a threat to humanity for fucking decades, okay? So I, I, I hope that Bitcoin is a threat to the legacy financial system. I hope it burns it to the ground and we can build a new civilization because we need one. Because this civilization as we see it today is completely ruined. We've ruined it. We are apathy and our, like our, our ongoing fascination with handing control of our lives to an elected official is mind blowing. And because of it, we've ruined society. It's, it lays in ruins. It doesn't look like it because buildings haven't fallen over, but they probably soon will as all the productive people end up moving to Texas and we will rebuild the civilization from here. Okay, it's, it's, it, it, we're attract, the state of Texas is attracting most of the brain trust of, of Bitcoin, of all, those, of all the brain trust of Bitcoin that is moving from their countries or their states, if they're already in the U.S., they are moving to Texas in mass. <clears throat> and I think that that's going to accelerate. So the Bank of England has warned that the cryptocurrency industry and its risks may be a danger to the established financial system in time, <clears throat> per the BBC. Quote, the point, I think, at which one worries is when it becomes integrated into the financial system, when a big price correction could really affect other markets and affect established financial market players. Ah, oh, protecting your friends, says Sir John Cunliffe, Deputy Bank Governor. <clears throat> it's not there yet, but it takes time to design standards and regulations, he added. Sir Cunliffe also said that this risk will grow and when the crypto industry becomes more widely adopted. Right now, the deputy bank governor said only 0.1% of UK households' wealth was in cryptocurrencies. I'll bet it's more than that. What's more, only 2.3 million people in the UK were estimated to have crypto-related investments at an average value of 300 British pounds or about 400 bucks US per person. <clears throat> Quote, we really need to roll up our sleeves and get on with it so that by the time this becomes a much bigger issue, we've actually got the regulatory framework to contain the risks, he also said. This is not the first time the British Central Bank has weighed in on the risks posed by the crypto industry. In October, the bank and Sir Cunliffe himself said Bitcoin could trigger financial instability in the UK. Quote, of course, $2.3 trillion needs to be seen in the context of $250 trillion global financial system. But as the financial crisis showed us, you don't have to account for a large proportion of the financial sector to trigger financial instability problems. Yeah, it's because you've wrecked the entire system and made it so fucking fragile that you can't take it in a baby seat in an SUV across the street without it fucking dying. My God. Just one week later, the bank weighed in again, although <clears throat> this time with a seemingly contradictory message, quote, crypto asset markets continue to grow rapidly, but currently pose limited risk to UK financial stability, the Financial Policy Committee of the Bank of England said. The bank also has taken aim at El Salvador, lamenting what it observes as a questionable embrace of Bitcoin as legal tender. Quote, it concerns me that a country would choose Bitcoin as its national currency. The governor of the bank, Andrew Bailey, said last month, yeah, you, these people hate to see it. They really do, because this is the seat of all their supposed power. And within one, with, with, within a single generation, it they could see all that power just dissipate into the air like so much steam. You know, it's fucking ridiculous. But, you know, <clears throat> it's going to have to happen. Something has to happen. Like I said, the civilization, the culture, everything that we see around us is so poisoned and so toxic that the only thing that we can do is to completely tear it down and start over. And nobody wants to hear that. Because like in the movie, The Matrix, everybody is plugged into this machine via multiple ways, but the most effective way is their 401k and their pension plans. And everything that relies on the financial system's health and well-being going into the future. If that is threatened in any way, 
that threat signal comes through those lines of communication back to the person holding the pension or holding the 401k. And then they get that signal that Bitcoin is a threat. And this is why people that I know that should know better absolutely will not see it. They just refuse to see it. And the only way that you can, the only way that I, I see that you can get rid of those very, very effective lines of threat communication is to literally dump your 401k into Bitcoin, or at least dump your 401k into a 401k that, you know, allows Bitcoin. <clears throat> and you can go talk to Jeff Vandrew over there at Unchained Capital on how to do that because they, he has just such an instrument. And I think he is now actually leveraging that, in, uh, that instrument as he now works for Unchained Capital. So hit up Jeff Vandrew, go to Unchained Capital, find out how you can convert your legacy 401k or whatever into a, a more Bitcoin centric uh, 401k or retirement plan. Okay. So just, just saying, uh, because if you do that, then you can unlatch yourself from the legacy financial systems threat mechanics <clears throat> because that threat mechanic works every single fucking time. And that is why these stories are going to continuously pour out of mainstream media because this is their threat model that they're using to send through their lines of communication in the most effective and efficient way possible. And that is through your connection to the legacy financial system, which is in one place, your retirement. See how this works? It doesn't, you don't have to be in a bed of, you know, submerged in gel with, you know, all manner of, you know, communication lines and directly plugged into your nervous system. No, 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 no. You need one connection and it doesn't need to be physical. It's the threat to your future or a supposed threat to your future. Don't be fooled. Get the fuck out. I'm, I'm, I'm saying get, get out of this thing. All right. <clears throat> uh, satellites of love, a blueprint for Bitcoin's politics all the way from Yugoslavia. Scott Dennis from BitcoinMagazine.com is writing this one. Uh, <clears throat> like many good ideas, this one began with a question from a child. It's a typical morning driving my daughter to her high school in New York. She asked, Dad, why are there 750 United States bases in 80 countries around the world? In 2021, parents want to avoid giving dumb answers. She had learned this during her global history class, and I wanted to get to the heart of the matter. Not being a person who buys into the enduring freedom narrative, I said, well, we have that many bases in the world to support the U.S. dollar. We continued on this subject until we got to her school where she finally asked, so if the dollar is strong because of our military, is that a good thing? This is a good question from a teenager and for Americans writ large. Shortly after our conversation, I read that the nation of El Salvador was buying Bitcoin and would make it legal tender there. It seems that the leaders of this tiny South American country envisioned a new kind of future with Bitcoin at its center. Bitcoin is the world's first cryptocurrency, an expression of value brought about by the blockchain. It is very much like any other commodity in the sense that someone one day asked, how much would you pay for one Bitcoin? Over a short amount of time, the answer to that question has gone from a few pizzas to tens of thousands of dollars. It's an explosive and volatile market that has garnered attention the world over, fomenting new millionaires that were early adopters. It is the timing of Bitcoin's introduction that makes it more than just another financial vehicle. Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper and reference implementation that brought about the genesis of Bitcoin landed in the world during the worst economic downturn of our lifetime between 2007 and 2009. <clears throat> it was an answer to a massive crisis and a critique of the system that wasn't working for the majority of citizens. News of the fortunes made from Bitcoin has dominated the press since then, but at the heart of this new development lay a judgment on power brokers and policymakers that their behavior and lack of oversight led to this economic disaster, hurting millions of people financially. Bitcoin promises that it will provide low cost and anonymous entry into its ecosystem and most importantly, live outside the jurisdiction of those who might have destroyed the world economy. 
If this notion of sovereignty through an alternative token of value is true for the individual, would it also be true for a community or a nation state? On September the 7th, 2021, El Salvador became the first country on earth to consider Bitcoin as legal tender, which means that it can be used in any way that the U.S. dollar has been used previously. The stated goals of this adoption were to improve the efficiency of remittances arriving from abroad, decrease the number of its citizens that are underbanked, and just whisper at the end to reduce the reliance on the U.S. dollar. This last point is the real politic policy from the perspective of a nation that abandoned its currency for the dollar back in 2001. <clears throat> the notion of autonomy through an alternative currency has many supporters from those who understand the long-term promise of Bitcoin. However, mainstream financial organizations, think tanks, and media outlets that act as the mouthpiece of the status quo are heaping doubt on the project. Even the casual observer on this issue would note the asymmetrical coverage in the West, painting the idea as harebrained or financially unsound. These same sources also want to create a narrative that El Salvador's leadership is erratic and authoritarian, an issue they largely had no comment on before Bitcoin adoption. We have yet to see if their policy will provide a shield from currency manipulators or global inflation, but it is probable that other countries with a history of their sovereignty being undermined will attempt the same thing. Going forward then, is there a blueprint for countries that want to thrive outside of the present U.S.-China hegemony and finance it through Bitcoin? Yes, there is, and it comes to us through some Cold War history. Josip Broz Tito is synonymous with Yugoslavian political history, fighting in World War I and as an anti-Nazi partisan during World War II, he initially was a loyal communist until he gained the ire of Joseph Stalin himself. This created a rift in the international communist apparatus at the time. Now the leader of Yugoslavia felt compelled to work with the West to fend off worries of a Soviet military invasion. The larger problem Tito wanted to solve was the Slavish political polarity of the Cold War. He envisioned a third way towards autonomy and friendships with like-minded nations. During the 1950 UN General Assembly, Yugoslavia's representative stated the following, quote, the people of Yugoslavia cannot accept the postulate that humanity today has only one choice, a choice between the domination of one or the other bloc. We believe that there exists another road. True, it may be a difficult one, but at the same time, it is an unavoidable one. It is the road of democratic struggle for a world in which people are free and equal, for democratic relationships between nations that would eliminate outside interference in internal affairs of nations, and for a fully peaceful cooperation between nations based on equality, end quote. This was the embryonic notion that began Yugoslavia's move toward so-called market socialism. They had to rely on their ingenuity to achieve the level of international autonomy Tito envisioned. The echoes of this Yugoslav identity can be remembered in their own computer company, Galaxizja, and the Declasse but highly nostalgic Yugo compact car in the 1980s. Tito believed that countries with sources of self-reliance could play a role in global politics beyond the limitations imposed by economic and military resource capabilities. Although Tito had very little knowledge of the third world, he knew that he needed international allies. Those countries that were emerging from a post-colonial era he visited first. The message he brought to leaders like India's Jawaharlal Nehru and the total reliance on the political bloc or another was a mistake. He astutely pointed out that it was perilous to align with an ideological Soviet bloc, but that the Western methodology of imperialism through financial aid was perhaps even more debilitating to a sovereign nation. By 1961, Yugoslavia joined India, Egypt, Ghana, and Indonesia in the first non-aligned conference. Later, 120 member states were part of this group. There were many reasons why non-alignment has not risen to create a reliable third path, such as balkanization, the death of key leaders, internal revolution. It can be argued that the key and perennial issue was their inability to finance mutual trade. If there were a new set of non-aligned countries or even communities that took up the Yugoslav mantle but were equipped with Bitcoin, it could result in a cultural revolution. 
In the present day environment, the new political blocks are China and the United States. They both demand fealty and can project their economic power to support and punish. The United States has shown how far it is willing to go with sanctions against Cuba that have lasted for generations. This is an extreme example, but is what modern alliances that don't agree with American hegemony can face. Bitcoin could not only provide a solution to international sanctions, but would offer a superior trading service for their goods and services. For instance, with cryptocurrency technology in place, customs red tape could be streamlined. The cost of settling payments between countries reduced and the supply chain improved through a new level of transparency and traceability. These aligned satellites of love could begin with shared technical knowledge to establish blockchain networks and robust bond initiatives based on Bitcoin to pay for infrastructure costs. The point is that unlike their cold world progenitors, <clears throat> or sorry, cold war progenitors, they would only be limited by their imagination and desire to prosper with mutual respect. Legacy institutions like the International Monetary Fund and central banks will certainly try to undermine efforts that reroute their control over the global economic system. But they are looking in the rearview mirror while Bitcoin is over the horizon. This is by Scott Dennis, again from Bitcoin Magazine, bringing us a little bit of history as a cultural context into what we're looking at for the future. And this is exactly what I was saying, what I was talking about earlier with the brain trust leaving all of these countries that are gripped with hysteria. Many of, of these people are moving to Texas. They're also moving to Florida, by the way. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say that it's going to only be Texas, but we got Texas, we got Florida, and it looks like Tennessee might be falling in line. All right, that's like a Bermuda's Triangle of love at that point. And all the states that are in between, or rather that are uh, in, in, inside that triangle, are probably also going to fall in line. So you got Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and all the states in between, all those places. I mean, if, if Louisiana falls in line with Texas, Tennessee, and Florida, guess what they own? the mouth of the Mississippi River. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, this shit could work. This shit could work. And right now, we're seeing this mass migration of all these people that are really, really smart. The quote-unquote productive people that Ayn Rand always talked about. It looks like we may be actually building Galt's Gulch. I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. One thing I am not excited about here, though, is that Bitcoin core developer Samuel Dobson has decided that it is time to go. Ornella Hernandez has it from Cointelegraph. Now, before I begin this, we've been through many core developers and, and core maintainers in the life of Bitcoin. And guess what happens? Blocks come every 10 minutes. Difficulty adjusts down or up, depending on how much hash rate is on the network. A single point of failure is not this person. All right, so let's go through this. Developer Samuel Dobson announced via a series of tweets on Thursday night that he is stepping down as Bitcoin core maintainer after three years as he can no longer dedicate the time required as I approach the end of my PhD. That, that's why he's leaving. And let's pause there so that you understand what a PhD entails at this point. You can love or hate academia. Personally, I'm starting to loathe it. But I can tell you, watching my wife get her PhD, what this shit entails. I'm surprised that he was able to actually be a core maintainer, okay? Of, uh, or a maintainer of, the, of Bitcoin Core. Because of just the, the, the outset work that you have to do in your first two, three years of either a four or five year PhD, depending on what discipline you're in. All right. So now he's at the end, which means that he has to pre prepare his dissertation. There is no time to do anything else. It's just, it just doesn't fucking happen. There is not enough hours in the day to do the dissertation by itself. And somehow they always get done, but never to the level that the person preparing the dissertation actually wants to see. They get to a point where they can defend it. And that's the last stage where you've got your dissertation. It's been read by all the people on your committee. And then you have to stand up before your committee live and in person. Hope, well, hopefully it used to be that way. I don't, with this nonsense going on, who knows? 
but you have to live and generally in person defend that dissertation, the thoughts that you wrote down, the theories that you expound. You have to stand there and they will ask you questions and they will try to trip you up because they're, they're looking to see if you will actually be able to maintain the mantle of doctor in academia, right? There's no way that he can do both. So anybody that starts fudding about this, oh, look, Bitcoin lost their core maintainer. Yeah, I'm surprised he was ever able to even do that in the first place, but we'll continue. As a Bitcoin core wallet maintainer, Dobson had direct access to the cryptocurrencies code on GitHub with permissions to approve changes and make improvements to the Bitcoin core software. He was also responsible for ensuring the security of the protocol. When asked if there's a chance that he will come back to BTC core development one day, Dobson answered Cointelegraph that his PhD is his primary focus at the moment. And even though he hasn't decided what he will do upon graduation, he is not interested in the development of other cryptocurrencies. Dobson stated that he is particularly grateful for the support of his incredibly generous sponsor, John Pfeffer without which he would not have been able to prioritize working on Bitcoin even part-time. He made an appeal to the Twitter community to consider financially supporting a developer due to the nature of open source projects. He also told Cointelegraph, quote, Bitcoin core development has obviously grown immensely since its conception back with Satoshi. As an open source project, it will always be in an interesting and more difficult position funding-wise, but things like Brink, Chaincode, Spiral, and direct developer sponsorship via GitHub have helped a lot, end quote. Bitcoin has lost two maintainers since October with Dobson's departure. The number of developers with direct access to Bitcoin code has dropped to five, according to an updated list on the Bitcoin forum. All right, so this has happened before. Uh, this has happened a lot before. And this has also happened, be, you know, at a time when there wasn't as many core, to, core maintainers as there, you know, have been. All right, so when the FUD starts, understand what I just read to you so that you can have some kind of ammunition to fight back with. Let's run the numbers. All right, with one minute till the opening bell on Wall Street, we have energy futures, uh, specifically flammable, you know, flammable liquids. West Texas Intermediate down one and a half points to $70. Brent North Sea is down 1.67% to $73.15. Natural gas taking it on the chin, two uh, points to the downside, $3.72 per thousand cubic feet. And gasoline is down one and a half points to $2.08 a gallon. Peter Schiff also not happy with gold down 0.85%, uh, $1,773. Silver down two points, actually 2.15 points. Uh, platinum is down almost a point. Copper is actually up about one-fifth of a point, And palladium is down two and a half points. Ag is mixed with the biggest winner being soybean at 0.68% to the upside. It looks like our biggest loser is going to be chocolate at 1.11% to the down. Dow futures are going to open 0.11 up. S&P down a half. NASDAQ futures down 1.2%. Holy shit. And the S&P mini is going to be up 0.15%. Real money also struggling today. $47,257 as we maintain our sideways movement after Dennis and all his 58K gang basically destroyed us. Nah, I'm just kidding. It's not really Dennis's fault. It, Bitcoin doesn't know about your bad day. Bitcoin doesn't know about anything that you did that would actually make it either rise or fall. Okay. I just pick on Dennis and Greg Zaj, even though he has nothing to do with the 58K game because it's, it's fun. Yeah, it is. It's fun. 288,000 transactions in the last 24 hours is right at 12,000 transactions per hour. 628,000 BTC changing hands in the day. 26,188 BTC is being sent on average every hour and 2.18 BTC is the average transaction value with the median transaction value being 0.016 BTC or 770 bucks. Block times are slightly low, nine minutes, 48 seconds. 
6.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 13.31 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with another 5.14% drop in hash rate, we're all the way down to 167.8 exahashes per second, which if you don't know, is pretty secure. Uh, Dogecoin had a, had a bump. Uh, sorry, I got, I got confused. Uh, Dogecoin had a bump today because te- or, uh, Elon Musk said that he's going to start taking Dogecoin for merchandise at Tesla. So it went up 20%. And it's still only at 19 US pennies. But screw that noise. Let's go to Clark Moody Bitcoin. 2,960 transactions awaiting two blocks to clear. Market capitalization is way down. $897.7 billion. But it's still... 7.71% of gold's entire market cap, and you can buy even more shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin today than you could yesterday. And there are 18,900,729 of those, and 3,292.71 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network, valued at $156.4 million, being run over 18,611 nodes, representing 81,989 payment channels. of all that is being run over Tor, uh, specifically over 11,450 Tor nodes that we know about, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Robinhood to add Bitcoin gifting feature. Nomsios has it for Bitcoin magazine. Please remember as we go through this that yesterday I reported that Robinhood is teaming up with Chainalysis. Do you really want to use Robinhood to send somebody Bitcoin when they're going to automatically be doxxed? Because Robinhood's working with Chainalysis. So seriously, don't don't use this feature. It sounds good, but it's not. Financial services platform Robinhood is working on a new feature to let users send Bitcoin to each other as a gift. Code discovered in a beta version of its iPhone app showed, according to a report by Bloomberg, quote, the code indicates that the feature will allow the sending of cryptocurrency via digital gift cards that can be accompanied by messages up to 180 characters in length, per the report. A user who sends a cryptocurrency gift will also be able to retract it any time before it's accepted, according to the code. It's unclear when the company may enable the new feature. Passcode findings showed functions Robinhood was working on at the time and have not yet come to fruition. In September, code was found that hinted the company was testing a Bitcoin and cryptocurrency wallet in its platform, which would allow users to withdraw their coin to a self-custody solution. But the wait list for such a feature is already over 1.6 million users, and there's no indication when that will be released. The way the Robinhood trading app currently works, users buy and sell representations of BTC and any other shitcoin instead of the Bitcoin itself effectively being an IOU. A customer can only be sure they have Bitcoin once they transfer it to a wallet for which they control the private key. Robinhood opened the waitlist for withdrawing feature in September after repeatedly hinting that it would enable such components over the past year. Since its launch, the waitlist has gathered much interest, showing customers' desire to take ownership of their Bitcoin. A feature to send Bitcoin as a gift might see similarly high interest from users. However, the company's track record on delayed additions and its lack of comments on the code leak make the functions unlikely to be released anytime soon. Quote, the gifting feature would be an escalation escalation of Robinhood's work with cryptocurrencies, the report said. Other features, uh, other future features revealed by code include spare change investing and the ability to receive direct deposits early. This was written by our friend Namsios at Bitcoin Magazine, if I did not state that at the outset. Now, stupid. Here's some stupid for the day. IEEE Blockchain Identity of Things Standardization Working Group kicks off. Arnold Karimi has it for Cointelegraph. Uh, If you don't know what IEEE is, if you are an electrical engineer or have anything to do with anything that electrical engineers build, you, this is their, this is sort of their, their general group. 
Um, it's like, it's been around forever. You like, if you go into, uh, electrical engineering, uh, as a discipline for college, and that's going to be your degree, you, you end up automatically in your freshman year, getting a membership to IEEE in most engineering schools. That's the umbrella group for all electrical engineers. So just be aware they have their, the IEEE standards are in everything from R4, you know, cat 45, uh, the standards are in like iPhone charging cables, data cables, uh, computers, the, you name it, man, IEEE is there. It's gonna, this is kind of a big, kind of a big deal, except for the fact that it's stupid because they're going to standardize blockchain. I don't think so. Six worldwide corporations have banded together to start the IEEE blockchain identity of things standardization. According to the IEEE chair of the Identity of Things Working Group, a Dr. Xinjin Fan, researchers from Lockheed Martin, Ericsson, Lenovo, Huawei, Bosch, IOTEX, and China Academy of Information and Communications Technology are developing global standards for blockchain-based decentralized identities in an effort that commenced two years ago. After two years of research, the six major global businesses have provided the proof of concept for blockchain-based decentralized identification or DID for Internet of Things devices, which Dr. Fan started in 2019 with the World Wide Web Consortium. IEEE is a nonprofit organization that was, has created standards for the general needs of technology related to wireless devices, networks, and services. According to the press release, blockchain interoperability is crucial for the success of the Internet of Things, people, and enterprises. It is possible to advance global trade, economic development, and local communities around the world by eliminating technolo technological hurdles and enabling diverse entities to communicate with worldwide standards. IoT decentralized identifiers, verifiable credentials, blockchain are technologies accelerating fast and bonding together, said Giovanni Franzis, the head of blockchain business development at Ericsson. Quote, it's a huge privilege to contribute to the IEEE P2958 standards development, bringing the market perspectives, the Ericsson knowledge, and participate in a cooperative cross-industry group to make the standards effective and fostering for adoptions with our clients. Whoa, that's a hell of a lot of suit speak right there, pal. Dr. Fan leads the working group intending to ensure that the entire $12.6 trillion potential value of the IoT or Internet of Things in 2030, as predicted by McKinsey, can be unlocked by defining a global DID standards or standard for people and machines to interoperate. Oh, God. All right. So this is actually a real threat, honestly. <clears throat> um, well, is it a real threat? Okay. Well, it's not a threat to Bitcoin, but it's it's... It's a threat culturally insofar that you've got these people that have finally, I mean, it, this is 100% capitulation at this point. Just, just, I'm just saying this is not, this technology is not going away. It's now set in stone by these guys over at IEEE. Sadly, it's blockchain, not Bitcoin, right? So, and the fact that they're just connecting up people to technology I want, I want a buffer. I want the, the air distance between my eyes and my phone. I want to be able to leave my computer. I want to be able to get out of my car and walk around. And this just sounds like, the, even though it's the tiniest bit, it still just sounds like the dystopic computer-human interface cyborg bullshit that you really don't want to participate in. I'm just saying, man... Uh, Bitcoin to hit $100,000 by a scarcity. Okay, let's see. Let, let's just see, by the way. It's Namcios again for Bitcoin Magazine. Despite having fallen by nearly 30% since its November all-time high, Bitcoin is in a consolidating bull market and on its way to $100,000. According to a Bloomberg intelligence report, the paper said it is unlikely that BTC's bull run has come to a halt and predicts the fixed supply to sustain increasing prices. The key question facing Bitcoin nearing the onset of 2022 is whether it's peaking or simply a consolidating bull market. 
We believe it's the latter and see the benchmark crypto well on its way to becoming global digital collateral in a world going that way, the report said. The report also highlighted how this year's corrections have made the asset stronger and its bull market healthier as Bitcoin endured and got past China's mining ban to make new highs. In addition to breaching previous tops to reach 69,000 in November, the Bitcoin network hash rate also recently made new all-time highs, showcasing a deep resilience of its consensus protocol. Quote, Bitcoin appears to be on a trajectory for 100,000. We see it as more of a question of time, notably due to the economic basis or basics of increasing demand versus decreasing supply, the report said. Further mainstream adoption will lead to increased demand for Bitcoin and developments in new exchange-traded funds and futures and legal tender status in El Salvador are examples of this process. According to the report, a BTC issuance as, so, sorry, let's try, try that again. According to the report, as BTC issuance declines and its awareness increases, prices are expected to jump and volatility to diminish. Greater regulatory clarity in the United States for Bitcoin might also increase its acceptance among certain types of investors to help fulfill an even higher demand for the asset. The report said next year might be pivotal in that sense as the country looks set to embrace cryptocurrencies with more detailed legislation and a better understanding of the technologies from government officials. Monetary policy might also play its part, especially if tightening measures by the Federal Reserve end up leading to a crashing stock market, prompting the central bank to stir the ship or steer the ship the other way. Quote, a primary force to reverse expectations for Federal Reserve tightening in 2022 is a drop in the stock market, which may be a bit of a win-win for Bitcoin. Uh, the report said, adding that Bitcoin is well on its way to becoming a digital store of value. Quote, Bitcoin will face initial headwinds if the stock market drops, but to the extent that declining equity prices pressures bond yields and incentivize more central bank liquidity, the crypto may come out a primary beneficiary per the report. The report also mentioned the U.S. Treasury long bonds inability to sustain above 2% despite widespread consensus for higher yields, a phenomenon that could lead to a deflationary environment next year, favoring Bitcoin. Bloomberg Intelligence explained that the funds have been moving away from old analog gold and towards Bitcoin. Quote, the question for 2022 centers on reversal or acceleration of these flows. With bond yields in decline, our bias is toward the latter. Bloomberg added that Bitcoin's fixed supply enforced through a diminishing issuance every four years could help it outperform stocks again next year putting it in an advantage against an extended stock market that hasn't had a 10% correction since the 2020 crash. Again, thank you, Namcios from Bitcoin Magazine for that little report. What do you think? I'm like, I, I am not a chartist, okay? Or chartalist or autist or anything like that. But I mean, I, I mean, I just see not weakness in Bitcoin. I see what I see is weakness in, in the world's population. And how can they not be weak at this point? They have been hammered, or all of us, not they. I'm not, you know, I'm part of that population too. So we've all been fucking hammered for, well, since the end of 2019. It's just been one relentless shit show, you know, circus show, clown show after another, after another, after another. And people are getting tired. The people in France are freaking out, man. I mean, they're like, you know, starting to beat, go out and brawl in the streets. Finally, after three fucking years, it, you know, it's not weakness in Bitcoin. It's weakness all the way around the world in everything. Our perceptions of any market, our perceptions of any trust in quote unquote government officials, all of it is, is running, is eroding. Like like sand in a rainstorm. It's just going away. Trust, belief, stability, all that. And that, in my mind, is the onset for a cultural revolution around the world. And it will be the first time anything's happened that looks like that. And Bitcoin can will facilitate this, honestly, simply because we all understand Bitcoin, regardless of your culture, regardless of your political ideology, regardless of what your, your 
price per Bitcoin is in your fiat termed, you know, home currency, we all can speak the language of Bitcoin. And because we have a communications network and Bitcoin is a communications network, it has a single vocabulary, a single syntax, and we all speak it, whether we're Spanish, whether we're Mexican, whether we're French, whether we're Indian, it does not matter. It just freaking doesn't matter. We all understand this one single language and we're all connected to each other and we can use that language together. This is the first time in the world's history that this has happened and it has to happen with the money because it is the base of all transactions. And what rides on top of that is our use of language to explain to each other the parameters of that transaction. It, I, I, I have hope. It may not sound like I do, but I, I, I do. I have hope. I think it's going to be rough. I don't think it's going to be pleasant. But we have to do it. We cannot go into the future with the system that we have now. It won't work. Now, Jack, or Jack, Zach Seward is writing for Coindesk that institutional Bitcoin broker NYDIG is now valued at $7 billion in a $1 billion funding round. Holy shit, this is out of Coindesk. Um, NYDIG said in a press release on Tuesday that it has raised $1 billion in a round of funding that will value the Bitcoin investment firm at over $7 billion. The round was led by Westcap and joined by Bessemer Venture Partners, FinTech Collective, and existing investors, Affirm, FIS, Fins, uh, Fiserv, Mass Mutual, Morgan Stanley, and New York Life, the press release said. R said Robert Gutman, co-founder and CEO of NYDIG, quote, our roster of partnerships and strategic investors lays the foundation for NYDIG to become the leading provider of Bitcoin solutions for business, businesses in any industry. And this new equity capital will further accelerate progress toward making this exciting network accessible and useful to all. NYDIG, which offers Bitcoin trading and custody, raised $200 million back in March of this year, led by Morgan Stanley, New York Life, and Mass Mutual. A month later, it raised another $100 million. Listed in the Tuesday press release are plans to further develop NYDIG's institutional-grade Bitcoin platform using recent upgrades to the Bitcoin protocol with capabilities such as Bitcoin and Lightning payments, asset tokenization, and smart contracts. An IDIG representative confirmed the funding, which tops crypto exchange FTX's $900 million funding round announced back in July, reflecting the current heady state of crypto VC FTX is currently said to be raising a $1.5 billion funding round at a $32 billion valuation. Bitcoin, the flagship cryptocurrency, is currently trading at 47211 down nearly 30% over the past month. So NYDIG just crushing FTX, and it looks like NYDIG themselves is going to be crushed uh, as FTX is going to be raising yet another $1.5 billion funding round. It won't stop. And, and again, here's, here's what I've noticed over this downtrend in Bitcoin price lately. It's always sell the news no matter what the news is. It doesn't matter if it's bad news. It doesn't matter if it's good news. In fact, every single time I've seen a dip in the Bitcoin price over the past month or so, it's all been on the heels of good news. Like this is good news. NYDIG raised a shit ton of money. They are now valued at $7 billion. And it's a Bitcoin company. And what's the first thing that they do? Not... Not NYDIG, but the first thing that traders do, sell the news. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. And I finally, finally came to the realization about this, I don't know, a few months back. I was like thinking that sell the news meant if it's bad news, you sell it. No, no, it's any news. It could be bad, could be neutral, could be good, but you sell the news. And every, we've seen so much good news over the last month that of course we're at $47,000. Of course we are. Why? Because so much good news came out. I'm telling you, man, it doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin, altcoins, quote unquote crypto, legacy financial, the markets are all 
not only are they erratic, they're irrational and they can stay that way a lot longer than you can stay liquid. Now, uh, what's going on here? Ooh, dude, I don't know if I want to get into this one. It's a little long. Let's do this one first. FTX to pay NBA's Golden State Warriors $10 million for rights sponsorship. Andrew Asmakov has it for Decrypt.co. Global cryptocurrency exchange FTX is expanding its presence in the world of sports, striking a million or multi-million dollar international rights sponsorship deal with Golden State Warriors, one of the household names in the National Basketball Association, or NBA. While the terms of the deal have not been disclosed, sources familiar with the matter told CNBC that the multi-year agreement between the Warriors and FTX is valued above $10 million. With more than $3.1 billion in trading volume over the past 24 hours, FTX.com is currently the industry's fifth largest crypto exchange, according to CoinGecko. The deal will reportedly see FTX receive brand placement with the Warriors G League Club and the NBA 2K Esports team, as well as in-arena signage at Chase Center, the San Francisco-based outfit's home venue. Additionally, the crypto trading platform is obtaining rights for the team's non-fungible tokens and virtual floor, floor inventory during Warriors Regional Sports Network games. Quote, FTX is a company that caught our eye a couple of months ago, Golden State Warriors president Brandon Schneider told CNBC, quote, we think we're at the beginning of the beginning. We're all learning and this space will evolve quite a bit, end quote. The partnership also saw the NBA franchise and FTX donate one Bitcoin to Self eStem, Mission Bit, and TechBridge Girls, local nonprofit organizations focusing on educational equity. This is, uh, it might have been meant to say equality, not as much equity, who knows, whatever. This is not the first time the crypto exchange has splashed out big bucks to build its big brand around sports. In April, another NBA outfit, the Miami Heat, announced a $135 million partnership with the exchange, which saw it rename its home venue to FTX Arena for the next 19 years. In June, FTX spent a massive $210 million to purchase naming rights to American esports professional team TSM in a 10-year deal, followed by a $17.5 million deal, or $17 million deal with uh, Cal Berkeley football team in August, which saw the exchange secure naming rights to Cal Memorial Stadium. Earlier this year, FTX also inked a five-year deal with the Major League Baseball, America's premier baseball league, which included placement of an FTX patch on umpire uniforms and promotion rights across various MLB-affiliated channels, including physical games to social media. Other major crypto exchanges are also actively exploring marketing opportunities opening up in the sports industry. Last month, in a staggering one or actually $700 million deal that will last for the next two decades, Singapore-based Crypto.com bought naming rights to the Staples Center, the home venue of National Hockey League team, the Los Angeles Kings, the NBA's Los Angeles Lakers, and Los Angeles Clippers, and the WNBA's Los Angeles Sparks. Meanwhile, Coinbase, America's leading crypto exchange, teamed up with the NBA in October for a multi-year partnership that made it the exclusive cryptocurrency platform partner of the NBA, the WNBA. The, the uh, uh, They got NBA twice, sorry, I, I didn't mean to stumble. Oh, NBA G League, NBA 2K League, and USA Basketball. Holy crap, that's a lot of sport, man. That's, that's amazing. Um, God, what to say about this? FTX is just on fire. You're just not going to be able to stop Sam Bankman-Fried. And I don't know how the how the hell he positioned himself into this, but I, I well done. I mean, you may hate him, you may love him. I don't really know anything about him, him except that he is a shitcoin dealer. Um, but he's as far as I can tell, he kind of started out with Bitcoin. I don't know, but all of a sudden, this guy. He's under 30, if, I th- if I'm right, is all over the place and he can't be stopped. So I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, we'll just have to see if they screw, if they try to screw Bitcoin. I don't know. We, we live in very funky times. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. 
Did you hear about the pole vault champion of North Korea? He's now the pole vault champion of South Korea. This just goes to prove the old adage that if you're being repressed, at one point or another, you're going to fight back, leave, or do something else. But you're not going to remain repressed. We're in a world that's weird. These are strange times. Be careful out there, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.